well, our moms think we're funny. Like, I, I really don't have the energy. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I've been drained, like, like emotionally, and just, the, yeah, the, like it's, yeah. it's just all gone. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Turk182. And I'm a Comey. Oh, so, uh, Woo. <laughs> what's going on, Akomi? Hey, so we just watched a movie. Yes, we did. Um, you know, uh, on second thought, maybe we should have watched Rollerball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so for years I have been, um, I've been telling Akomi that, uh, you know, that we should watch, uh, Boogie Nights. I love Boogie Nights. It's, it's up, one of my favorite movies. Um, and, uh, it's, the movie's two and a half hours long. So it's, it's one of those that, you know, whenever we get together and certain, you know, either just hanging out or just doing our, you know, our recording, uh, it's like, where do we find time with everything we have to do to, to fit in a two and a half hour movie? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just one of those things that it just never, never really found the opportunity to. And, uh, this weekend we've been a little, uh, more productive, um, than we have in, uh, in previous weekends. So I was like, you know, I think, I think we can go ahead and we can work in, um, Boogie Nights. Yeah. yeah. And, and plus it, it's been, it's been so long, um, that, uh, it was like, you know, we, we need to go ahead and, and, and watch it, you know, just make the time and watch it. So, uh, so, you know, we did. And, uh, of course I've seen it before. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, but the, uh, the, emotional kicks i mean they're 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 kind of ingrained in you it's Mm -hmm. like all right so um uh so i was kind of ready for those uh but this was your first time uh, after hearing me talk about it and uh what do you have to say uh i i was very very impressed with it um you know there there are no bad actors in it everybody just plays the role brilliantly um I really like the cinematography. Oh, yeah. uh, the the director is very fond of using like a lot of really long uncut shots of like weaving through a crowd. Really well done. It's something that if you don't do it right, it comes off as just kind of cheap and shitty. And if you do it well, then it, it just looks really, really cool and like a really finely choreographed dance. And this director handled that really, really well. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson is a really, really good director. Done a lot of uh, things. Uh I think he's the guy that directed uh, uh, Inherent Vice that had Joaquin Phoenix in it that hmm. um, I, I wanted to see when it came out. And it's one of those that just kind of uh, got got by me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and when it did, it kind of dropped off of my radar. Yeah. And and now it's kind of like uh, come back up. And I was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to see that. So uh, I was like, yeah, I, I need to. I need to you know, remind myself that I wanted to see this movie and check it out. Yeah. But he's, um, I mean, he's, uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal director. I've, I really like a lot of his stuff. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for those who that are kind of unaware, um, he did Boogie Nights, of course. And I mentioned Inherent Vice. He also did Magnolia. Um, you know, sorry, Kevin Smith. Um, uh, <laughs> he did the Phantom Thread with, um, uh, oh, what's that guy's name? Um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, which I think was like uh, Daniel Day Lewis's last film. I think he was retiring after that. Hmm. Um, and that was like, I, uh, I remember it being nominated for Academy Awards. I couldn't really tell you what it won. Yeah. Um, of course he did the movie, the, there will be blood, uh, that a lot of people, I, I never saw it. Um, I heard a lot of people talk about it and like, it's, it's, like we're talking about this movie being emotionally draining. Yeah. yeah. Um, there will be blood. They're like, you know, if you want to watch like, 
Daniel Day-Lewis be just a complete asshole for like two and a half hours. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's the movie for you. Uh, yeah. Um, what, what got me with Boogie Nights is that, uh, and we talked about this off mic, he did a really good job of making me care about every single character. Yeah. And, you know, this, these are people in the porn industry. It doesn't have the greatest reputation as an industry. And the porn industry is full of fairly scuzzy people, love it or hate it. it it's just kind of a fact about it. But the way he presented it, it's like, whether it's these people who are just kind of, you know, they're doing it for the love of the craft, or they're doing it because they have no other options, or they are scuzzy people, you, you still wind up caring about pretty much everybody involved, and you wind up rooting for them. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I would say that the porn industry is technically filled with scuzzy people. Um, I wouldn't say it's filled with them. We're saying there are some in there. <laughs> no, I was going to say that uh, that I think the I think the movie industry as a whole is filled with some like scuzzy and kind of like kind of skeezy people. Oh yeah, but it's more expected in the porn industry. So you know, so I think more people like gravitate there because they feel like they can get away with more mm-hmm, there because mm-hmm. like you know, well, you know, people already look down on them. So if someone cries foul, then we're like, well, you did it to yourself, right? Right. It's like this. You don't. You, that's what you get for for doing that. Um. But uh. But yeah, it's it's uh. It's interesting. Um. Like the so I've mentioned a couple times about the the uh, that uh, book that I, that I have that uh, one by Lex McNeil the um unauthorized uh, biography of the porn industry oh yeah the the uncensored yeah uh it's uh and watching boogie nights you you can see um like some of the things that are in the movie that came from real life events and you know mm-hmm. in the industry mm-hmm. um and a lot of the a lot of the story kind of parallels in some ways like some of the stuff that uh uh that happened with John Holmes so you know here's the the story is about you know this guy uh, Eddie from Torrance and how, uh, you know, he's, you know, got a tremendous member. And once, once he puts it on screen, like everybody's like, I've got to see that. And then he kind of, you know, he becomes a big deal. And then he starts doing drugs and then that starts to take over his life and it affects his work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then things go downhill from there. And even the, uh, the scene we were talking about just a minute ago with Alfred Molina, that is very, very reminiscent to the uh, the Wonderland murders that John Holmes was involved in, mm-hmm. uh, and I was mentioning to you that uh, it's you know I, we've I've talked about this uh, with many people before, and I think I've even mentioned it on the podcast where it's like a uh, I you know I'm fascinated I have an interest I don't want to say fascination because I I think that sounds too glamorous, mm-hmm. um, but I have a uh, an, an interest or curiosity about certain things. And one of the things I've had a curiosity about for a while was, uh, the whole Wonderland murders thing, kind of what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I listened to this podcast about it and I don't like recommending things like that because it seems like, you know, Oh, Hey, you want to hear a real fucked up story to happen to a bunch of people, you know? <laughs> um, and it's like, Hey, check this out. Hope you're entertained. Um, right, right. but if you want to know about that and what happened and just how horrific it was, um, there's a, there's a podcast about it. Um, and, uh, and it, it's, uh, and then they actually, uh, talked to the two detectives that worked the case and stuff. Um, and, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It goes into a lot of like John Holmes's life, like leading up to it. So it, one thing's about it, it's like maybe six or eight parts and it doesn't just start off with the, with the murders. It talks about John Holmes's like, um, um, like his, uh, his life and everything building up to, 
you know, when he became a uh, porn star and it's like his first wife that he was with when he started doing, um, doing porn and how he was, he was, I'm not going to call him saintly, but he was, uh, like a very naive kind of, uh, um, like really straight laced guy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the attention and things like that started to, um, take over and then the drugs got involved and all that stuff. Um, right, right. and so it, 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 in a lot of ways kind of parallels, uh, Boogie Nights kind of parallels that leading up to that whole thing. Um, what happens to Boogie Nights is, is much tamer than the actual Wonderland things, but, um, but so you, you've got that and you've got the individual stories about people. And I think it's interesting, uh, when you look at each person and, you don't really see like a technically motivation for why they did what they did. Like, you know, with Eddie, you get it. He's the, he's a character. So yeah, you tell, yeah. they tell you what brought him there, but right, you don't right. get that with Amber. You know, she's there, but you know what brought her there. You don't know what brought Roller Girl there, but you know, it makes her stay. Right. You know, right, and then, right. you know, uh, so, um, uh, that, and even, even someone like Buck, who's completely out of place in the whole thing, <laughs> right? You know, uh, like you, you don't know what brought him there. Um, but you know what makes him stay. And a part of that is the, is this, um, uh, and that we see it in like a lot of different things. You see a lot of people taking advantage of it right. now, which is these people that are disenfranchised, right? You know, right. and they don't have any place to go and they don't have anybody that, you know, that they feel that, that accepts them for who they are and they, they wind up here and these people accept them because they're, they're, I don't want to say lost, but they're, you know, I think in a lot of ways they are lost though. Um, well, so they're, 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 they're in need of, you know, friendship and, and a family. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't, and even though they're like, they're what they're missing, um, each one of them is missing is something different. So it's not like I can like kind of commiserate with you, but like, I know exactly how you feel. Cause I'm in that same spot. Right. Right. What brings them together is that they're all, you know, I guess you could say lost or, or missing a family. And that's what brings them together, even though it's a very unconventional one. Right. Right. So, um, and, and so I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Even like I said, even with someone like you see like the main characters that are always kind of together, uh, but then you have someone like Becky um, and then Buck who are like on the outskirts of the family, so to speak, but they're still that the family, right? Right. Uh, uh, I I like I said that all that being said, it's the um, I think that the the movie makes it does a good job of like taking that and. Like you said, like making you care about each one of the characters. Yeah, yeah. And then, but the whole thing ab- about porn is a backdrop. You could actually replace that with anything. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's a shockingly not pornographic movie. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty pretty tame. Honestly, there's there's some nudity. There's a lot of implied sex, but as far as like anything being super graphic, it's really not. So the interesting thing is. You, it's, it's almost like that one movie we watched, uh, that one Let's Watch we did where, like, we got a bunch of nudity up front, and then after that, we got, it was like nothing else. <laughs> yeah. And you get the same um, thing with this. You get shit, these. That was, that was that one with, uh, Ginger from Gilligan's Island. Oh, uh, the, the Space Vampires. Something yeah, of the, yeah. Evils of the Night? Yeah, Evils of the Night. That yeah. was it. Uh, so, um, yeah, so with this one, you get, you get a couple of, like, you know, nude scenes, um, and then you get like some of the like uh, like snippets of the like uh, the 
uh, movies being shot. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's all just character stuff. Yeah, like it, you, it dries up. Uh, it dries up in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And and that was interesting because uh, you know you they they talk about that um, the the advent of uh, you know the VH the V uh, VCR mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or you know. Uh, VHS or Betamax, you know, whichever one, but it was basically the home video and how these movies went from being in these, um, being in these theaters where you had to go see them, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden you had the ability to watch it at home, mm-hmm. to own it and watch it at home. And then you could watch it many times you want to. You could just watch your favorite scene, you know, whatever. And you could go to a, go to like a, a store or whatever it was, you know, and you could buy it. You could mail order it and it comes in its plain brown packaging, whatever it was. Right. And it actually kind of like made things better for the porn industry. Um, of course, in, in that book, when they talk about that whole, that whole era there with the, um, with the VHS and like, you couldn't transport uh, VHS tapes across state lines because it was pornographic material and some of the laws wouldn't allow that. Mm-hmm. And of course you had the mob influence at that time as well that were, financing and bankrolling these movies um and then were it was the weirdest thing and i have to read that that kind of section over again but right. they were making the movies and then they were selling the tapes and they were transporting them across um state lines and to sell them in other places um uh, but then they were also bootlegging their own movies mm-hmm. and selling them like what you're bootlegging your own movie to sell like but you can <laughs> like i it was it was it was it was weird but they were um they were um there there's a book called Men of Tomorrow that talks about how while the mob was doing all their stuff with the porn industry, they were also basically bankrolling the comics industry. Oh yeah, and you tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, like that that kind of ties in with that too. It's all really, really interesting. Uh what's what I really kind of found fascinating about that whole thing was when the the FBI got involved in the porn industry, it had nothing to do with uh indecency laws or anything else. It was mm-hmm. because they were going after the mob. It was like it was like a new version of the RICO Act. Right. It's like right. they had no interest in really in the porn industry at all. It was they wanted the mob. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but so you know and so in this movie they they there's that whole thing where Jack's like I make movies and he's not seeing you know VHS or you know, home movies as being movies still. But right, of course it's right. brand new. Right. You know. Um. And uh, and if, you know obviously eventually he does end up doing it and he. You know, he does it, but he doesn't embrace it because, again, he's still, this is what, I think 1984 is when the movie ends. So at mm-hmm. 1982, 1983, with the heart, the the very beginning of it still, he's not, he hasn't embraced that and really seen that I can still do what I've always done. Right. It he, just is going to be shown in a theater. Yeah. He no longer considers it an art form. And right. So it's, it's a little depressing, really. And what's funny about that is that when you're, when you're watching that and he's talking about all that stuff, the, the one thing is that. In 1982, 1983, you know, you did have like you had all kinds of uh, of VCRs or like I said, um, uh, Betamax, but those unit, those like players were expensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking like, I mean, like right now, say okay, I'm gonna get like a Blu-ray player. It might be like two hundred dollars if you want to get a good one. But it's also gonna have like, oh, it's got an app for Pandora and this and that. It's it's got a Netflix app. or you can just buy just a regular like DVD player for like fifty bucks. Back then, the players themselves were like five hundred dollars. You mm-hmm. know, in the eighties, like who the fuck has five hundred dollars in the eighties? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I get paid like that the month. You know, for the month, right. I don't have money for that. 
I mean, I remember, and you're probably, since you're younger than me, you probably don't remember this at all, but I remember going to, going to the video store, um, you know, this was before Blockbuster was a big thing. So, you know, the place like that, those kind of chain places, um, you know, they don't appear everywhere at once. So you still have your local like video store, right, you know, right. like, like super rockets, you know, like VHS Emporium or something. <laughs> and, and you would rent the v, the VCR. Yeah. Yeah. And they would come in these big, hard plastic cases to protect them. And you would like rent the movie for like five bucks. You'd rent the player for like $15, you know, and you had to bring them both back in, you know, in like two days. Yep. Yep. And, and, you, and it's, it's not like it was, uh, See, that was just coming to an end when I was a kid. Cause I remember some of the video rental stores still having VCRs for rent and they also had like NESs and super NESs for rent. Oh. So like that was just beginning to come to an end. See, I remember not renting, um, I didn't, I didn't rent, um, like, uh, any of the Nintendo stuff, but, I remember renting uh Neo Geo mm-hmm. and um so what was that other one that they that was out at that time? Um but I remember renting that and like getting a couple games and then taking yeah, home yeah. for the weekend and playing it. I uh, always wanted to. My parents would never go for it. You have a Nintendo at home, yes, but this is a Super Nintendo. <laughs> ah! Do you not understand what Super means? <laughs> uh, so it's like that AVGN video. He's like, "Yeah, Dad, but this one has 16 bits. What the hell's a bit? <laughs> I don't know." But I mean, it, I would say this is before what we have now, as far as like you know, like oh, well, you just take the HDMI cord and you know you plug it into here, and then you plug into the HDMI slot, and you plug the you know the Blu-ray player in, yep. and you're done. Oh no, you know it was like. Oh, what kind of TV do you have? Does it still have knobs on it? You right. know? <laughs> Does it have buttons? Oh, well, you've got to take the, like the, you know, do you have like a coax splitter? Oh, well then while the VCR is plugged in, you know, then you're not going to be able to watch any like cable because you're going to then plug the cable <laughs> to plug that in. Oh man. And of course you'd have to pull the TV away from the wall. I mean, <laughs> oh man, that's some crazy shit. <laughs> All of that just to jack off, man. I tell you. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna spring for the five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All that takes is some basic math to jack off. Jack off every night. <laughs> but but you know but that became that you know that was a thing and 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 it's kind of funny you know it's kind of like when uh when Atrax came out mm-hmm. and you had I'm sorry I should say when um uh, cassettes came out. And you still had eight tracks and you had them both there at the same time. And it was like, you know, well, which one, which one's going to win? Mm-hmm. And you would think, well, cassette, obviously, because one, I can also record on it, which you couldn't do on eight tracks, mm-hmm. eight tracks. You can't rewind, <laughs> which I don't, I still don't understand like what the, the idea was behind that was like, you can't rewind it. You know, it, it's just, it's just on a loop. So you just have to listen all the way through it. And I, I think you can fast forward, mm-hmm. but of course, you know, you fast forwarding it, you gotta fast forward a little bit and stop. And listen, fast forward a little bit and stop and listen. And if you go too far, well, we're just listening to it from the middle of the song now because we can't rewind. <laughs> you know that you do they pull the toy story, but like, oh no, it's like we're too far. We just gotta keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll bring it around the horn. <laughs> oh, so I mean obviously like cassette was gonna win that and it did. <laughs> but at the time that uh that the uh VHS or VCR uh, was out or Sorry, VHS and Betamax players. Because um, you had, you know, for a while you had both of them mm-hmm. like on shelves at the same time. Uh, 
you know, you also still had Laserdisc. Yep, yep. And, you know, Laserdisc was still superior quality, just as expensive, maybe a little bit more than, uh, than VCRs. And, uh, but some Laserdiscs had those, had, they had the really cool, um, like pictures on the disc themselves. Yeah, yeah. But also Laserdisc only had like, uh, what, 40, 45 minutes maybe of information on the side. Really? So you and, would have to like flip sides mid movie. Right. Or I, I don't, I don't, you, I don't know if you can flip the sides or if oh. you had to just take it out and replace. So if you oh, got, if you got a laser disc movie and you may have been able to flip them, um, if you had a laser disc movie though, you would like, if it, depending on the movie, it would come in like a regular album sleeve, yeah. but you would have like three disc in there sometimes. <laughs> um, it was pretty wild. And I, I remember, uh, a guy that I knew that, um, he lived kind of far away from me, but they had this like big house and stuff. Um, it was almost, it was almost like a, like a barn type house. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he had like two or three, uh, siblings. And, uh, so I, I, and he read comic books. We, we, he was like big in comic books. We both were. So, um, I remember we would go out to his house sometimes and his parents had a, uh, a laser disc player. Yeah. Yeah. And so. And, and it was still like years after that. I'll tell you, my very first um, VCR, my aunt bought it for me. She gave me the money to get it for um, for like my birthday one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in like the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and actually, I still have that. It's, oh, I mean, wow. it's not it's not plugged in, but it still runs. Wow. It's GE. It's a GE. It's, it's a front loader, not a, not a top loader. Um, a front loader like a VHS player. Nice. So to bring this all back around and get it back to to Boogie Nights is, uh, you know, and we've talked about this before. You know, the um, there were the uh, the format wars mm-hmm. um, between uh, the uh, VHS and Betamax. Yep. yep. And which one was going to win? And uh, it ultimately went down to the porn industry because the. Uh, I remember when E.T. came out for sale on VHS, <laughs> it was like $100, $200. Wow. Dude, when when Terminator 2 came out uh, on VHS, it was 100 bucks. That's crazy. And like, there was there was no DVD at the time. It was 100 bucks when it came out for sale. You would, I mean, I remember waiting um, like several months after it came out until I could get it from Blockbuster used. A used VHS copy and then pay like maybe $14 for it or something like that. Um, I'll tell you some bullshit too. And like a side note, if you ever lost a, um, like a, a, a VHS mm-hmm. and you had to replace it. And of course they would go to catalog and say, okay, well to replace this movie is going to be like X hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You couldn't just go and like, I, I lost this movie. Um, and then like goes like, you know, I bought it from like Walmart and here's everything. No, you had to, you had to get that one. You had to get from their catalog. Right, from that's, their catalog. That's stupid. That's some shit. That is some shit. Maybe it's um, a part, maybe it's a part of their inventory and tracking and stuff like that it has to be like a, like the, you know, yeah. non-retail version or something. But I mean, uh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I never lost one. <laughs> yeah. You, you better not at that point. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but yeah, so, uh, so, uh, it basically came down to whoever, um, uh, whichever format the porn went behind, uh, or like back because 
even though all these other movies were costing a lot, porn was not right, costing that right. much. You know, it wasn't. They weren't. They weren't doing it. I guess in the same fashion that uh, the bigger places are doing it. And then, of course, if the mob is is bootlegging their stuff, mm-hmm. right, and selling it, then of course you can get it all at much you know cheaper. And of course, you know, you're not talking about high production values as far as that all this stuff goes either. So you're able to get it at a much cheaper cost. So you like that selling that's really kind of back in like uh keeping the industry going as far as that right, whole like right. like whole movie mark because everything else is is um unless you're super rich everything else is just rental right right so the thing is that when you had the format words later between the hd disc and the blu-ray mm-hmm. um then it it's actually that, that was going down between uh playstation 3 and the xbox 360 as well wasn't it yeah because uh sony created the blu-ray yeah. and then i forget who it was that did hd um i can't remember like what but but yeah it was, it was going kind of like that and um because all the uh the sony ones were all like you know the playstation play blu-ray disc and mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. and it really came down to people just sat back and was like okay which one is the porn industry gonna back right right and they backed blu-ray and hd died <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny Unlimited power. <laughs> so if you knew the history of like of like the VHS and Betamax, yeah. then you just sat back and just watched it. It was like, okay, which one? Um, that is pretty interesting. It, it's, it's it's fascinating. So uh, it, it, it's weird. I mean, I I watch my share of porn, but I really don't watch a ton of like the professional stuff with like a plot and a story and all that. Um. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Not, you know, not much to say beyond that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, um, what are you into, listener? Comment down below. <laughs> um, I, 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 I almost feel like a like a banky kind of thing. It's like you know, if if, I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna watch, you know, then it really kind of really depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like to be like, you know, all I need is something visual to just like you know to just like supercharge my brain. And then other times it's like. You know, I need something stimulating. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, what, what is it? Do I just need like a visual? But like, oh, bam! You know, like, you know tits. So, or sometimes I gotta like run the bubble bath, light some scented candles. <laughs> a toilet run a bubble bath and float in a motherfucker like a hovercraft until I call you back. <laughs> that's for you, Stacks. That's, just, that's one of his favorite lines from Kanye. <laughs> uh, but um. Anyway, so getting back to, to Boogie Nights, you know, there's that whole thing where the 70s are ending. So mm-hmm. there's no more of the, um, of, you know, the, the theaters, you know, or the, right, the right. guy saying like, this is going to be the new wave here. And he's like, he's trying to get on the cusp of it and say, you know, this is it. Jack's not by it. But it's like when you were watching this, even if you don't know the porn industry, when you're watching, if you know history, you know that what's coming in the next couple of years is when they start to clean up um Times Square mm-hmm. and they got rid of all that stuff so people that aren't aware you look at Times Square now you see like the like the Virgin Mega Store and the M&M Store and all that kind of stuff and the big shine you know it's like I mean a prime example uh the end of Captain America yeah, when he comes yeah. running out of the place and he's standing right in Times Square and spinning around all you see are like these big like uh like LED billboards and they mm-hmm. in, in like uh I don't say neon, but yeah, neon just, just just stuff all lit up. Yeah, yeah. If you go back and you just like you know do like a Google search of like uh, Times Square like 1983. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I well, I think I told you that uh, I was in that school tr- field trip where we went to um, we went to go see um, 
Les Miserables. Yep, yep, yep. And um, and uh, and my my friend Price, you know, he got the picture taken of getting frisked at Trump Tower. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we actually, I don't know where the picture is, but we actually took a picture in front of a porno theater and Times Square. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like two blocks from the Y, right, and they right. and, and there we were. Um, and then of course, you know, like I said, it wasn't long now. Wasn't long after that. Like I said, it was starting. There was the cleanup was starting, but then just like you, like Times Square was nothing like it was. So you know, if you if you knew that was coming, you see this like your dream of of theaters mm-hmm. is going to be going away no matter what. Right. You know? Right. Um. So, uh, but you know, bit you. I I said it to you uh, that uh, they're referencing No Country for Old Men, where both these movies have this scene that. You know, the 70s end and the 80s start mm-hmm. and and it's like and it's like the I said the end of an era. It's like yeah, yeah. like everything changes now. This new decade starts off and yeah. everything's completely different. And in the case of Boogie Nights, like everything changes like visually, the the plot takes a turn, everything is different with the characters. Like it is, it feels like a tangibly different movie at that point. Yeah, and I, I know typically with a lot of these, you should watches or you shouldn't watches will like go over the plot, and I don't want to do that with this one. I just want to tell people, you know, watch the movie. Mm-hmm. So like, don't want to spoil anything, but the New Year's scene is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's. I would say you you don't see it coming. No. Um. You know, it's a. Uh... Because and the thing is, everything as it, as it's going along, you know, I will say the New Year scene is really what changes. Like the 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 tone of the film shifts, right, and becomes right. a lot more dramatic mm-hmm. and and serious. Because before then, you just see them all just kind of having fun, they're partying, they're making lots of money, and it's like it's it was it's that kind of like fantasy of like what you think the porn industry would be like. I get to fuck bitches and right. make money, <laughs> and you know, and do some coke maybe, or it's like it's like yeah, it's just it's like you you just playing like Joe Hollywood until the wheels fall off, right, and right. um and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah, you know, but. Here's here's the other side of that, you know. Right, welcome, right. welcome to the new year. Here's here's what happens when the fun is over. Yeah. And and the thing is, the movie when when the fun's going on, it builds up. It's it's dropping these like these um these threads. It's like you know, I'm just gonna put a pin in this here. And we're right, gonna come right. back to it. Like the 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 phone call scene during the party. Right. Right. You know. I mean, it it seems like it's just like there, and uh, you know. So when when the phone call happens and they're asking around, did you know who who they were looking for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because she tried calling him earlier. Right. So I I knew about that connection there. So I mean, it's it's uh it's a night. Nice, I mean, I figured you did, but because there's like they you don't know her real name, right? You know, right. and all that stuff. Obviously, who else, why who else would be calling there? But you 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 don't know her real name, so like it's it's um you may think they're you. Know, Depending on how invested you are in the movie, you may think that, you know, they're looking for someone else or who knows what, but yeah, yeah. It's, no, it, it took me like a couple of seconds, but then I put two and two together. Um, so we, we talked about, so a tremendous cast. Um, not going to rattle everybody, but, uh, you know, so we've got, uh, Burt Reynolds, Mark Wahlberg, Heather Graham, uh, Julianne <sighs> Moore. Yeah, God, Heather Graham. Oh, <laughs> call me girl. I'm just saying, I mean, like, you know, because we're around the same age, you know, I re- I already loved Heather Graham from License to Drive. <laughs> yes, Mercedes. She was just oh my goodness. She's just like scrumptious in that movie. And then of course you move on to like some like Boogie Nights. Well, actually, 
before Boogie Nights, I think it was before Boogie Nights, it was, uh, maybe, maybe Lost in Space came after Boogie Nights, but still, it's just, oh, so, yeah, Heather <laughs> Grandma, yeah. And then when I saw her in, like, The Hangover, the first Hangover movie, I was like, oh, she's still got it. <laughs> and I think she's in a, I think she's in a couple episodes of Scrub. She plays, like, a, like, one of the doctors that comes in. Wow. For, yeah, I think I remember seeing her in that. So, yeah, anyway, um, got Don Cheadle in there. Um, John C. Riley, love John C. Riley, <laughs> and, and I was kind of building up to him. And I got to mention Luis Guzman. I mentioned his name several times. Who yeah, I yeah. really love as an actor. I think he's great. Um, so, uh, but John C. Riley, like early on, <laughs> we we basically commented there was like John C. Riley's character in the movie is basically uh, his stepbrother's character if he was a porn star. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, just their their whole dialogue about working out and stuff just killed me. Yeah. <laughs> because we, we've talked about that like on the podcast as well where like one of my favorite things I've seen with people trolling people is just adding one more to their exercise set it's like oh yeah you know I, I do 51 push-ups a day so you know <laughs> it's like that thing so he was doing that shit where he was like oh yeah yeah no uh yeah I squat 250 it's like it's like such a such a dick move <laughs> I love when he's when 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 uh, Eddie or who becomes changes his name to Dirk Diggler yeah yeah um when Dirk is talking to him and he says, um, he's like, uh, you work out? He's like, yeah, I work out at this place, uh, yeah, on Torrance. He's like, yeah, he's like, you ever work out at, at this, this place? Uh, he's like, no, no, you, you wouldn't because I would have seen you there because I'm there every day. <laughs> well, he's like, he just told you he works at a place in Torrance where he lives. <laughs> like, you no, know, he, he's never been there. It's, like, <laughs> it's so good. I love his character. <laughs> So one of the things I really I liked about this movie um, is you, you were talking about how they they make you care about about everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so Buck is this guy in search of an identity mm-hmm. um, who who works at a uh, at a, a a music store a uh, stereo equipment uh, <laughs> store mm-hmm. um, doesn't really know much about stereo equipment. <laughs> <laughs> But kind of like believes he does, or even maybe tries to convince himself that he does, right? Because this is the highest of fidelity you can get. This <laughs> is high five. That means high fidelity. You know what that means? Because it's the highest <laughs> fidelity you can get. And it's like and this. It's like brings up by like you know like a like you know like several like quads. <laughs> um, but when uh, when Buck meets the girl. <clears throat> their conversation, the little bits that you hear amongst the, that that party setting where mm-hmm. they kind of moves back and forth between people, their that conversation, it's just enough in the back and forth to let you know or to key you in that that this is this is something that's going to grow. Right, right. So then when you see them later on and they're together, it, I mean, you, you're not surprised because it's it's already set up that you know. He's found somebody that he can mm-hmm. talk to or, you know, so he can be comfortable with. <laughs> right. And and you see that with a lot of the people where it's like it's just enough there to to kind of like, OK, now I'm going to I don't really have to tell you anything about about this person, but I can give you enough here that kind of fills you in and says, OK, I know where this where this person or this is going from here. Mm hmm. And and then we we can pick it back up with them later without having to fill in a bunch of stuff or or keep touching back you know and taking away focus from the from the the main I don't want to say main character but the the main storyline characters right right um 
it's also interesting to see, again, without um, knowing your history, or even if you don't know your history, to see the evolution of drugs, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and see how they move from coke. And it's a lot of coke being done in this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> When the when the guy um, is like, talking, it to, makes Pulp Fiction look tame. <laughs> I don't. It, it doesn't hit the level of Wolf of Wall Street. Um, <laughs> yeah, boom. <laughs> um, but uh, when the guy's telling the story, like she must have done like 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 twenty lines. If I'm like, who does that much coke? Right. Ozzy. <laughs> No, but I mean, Ozzy only did 15 lines of coke and he did like five lines of ants. So let's be fair. When he says, well, I did 20 lines of coke, like, no, you didn't. You did 15 lines of coke. And I actually, I think, I think you did like four lines of ants and one line of beetles. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It's like, I think I just had John, Paul, and Ringo. Um, so, uh, but then when you see the scene, um, with Roller Girl and Amber later, and they're just hitting it. Mm-hmm. And just, bam. It's like, oh, damn. Holy shit. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I don't want to go to the 80s after all. <laughs> Ooh. But but you, you see, like, you see, like, Coke is a big deal. And, of course, from the 70s, Coke was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see, like, crystal meth come in. Yep. And then you see crack come in. Um, and it's interesting, not that drugs are great, but it's interesting to see how... No, drugs are fun. Do <laughs> drugs, everybody. Um, it's what you should have learned from Breaking Bad is if you get really good at cooking meth, you get a hot goth girlfriend. So, um, excuse me, you delivered a different message the other day um, in the podcast, and I, I just, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just, I just want to make sure that you're not sending a mis- mixed message out there because whatever you say, you're going to stand behind that, and that message is going to be the same I say every a lot time, of shit, dude. <laughs> so you just said do drugs, everybody. Last time you said you know do drugs, kids. So well, get is started it- early, but you know it's never too late to start. Okay. No. Okay. That's fine. No. That's right? fine. Okay. So you so you were talking about the the people that are kids nowadays, and then the people that were kids earlier. They're like, you know, hey, the young at heart, you know, anybody. Really. Don't stop doing drugs. Yeah. You know. Uh, okay. Don't stop until you get enough. Yeah. Keep on with the funk stuff. <laughs> uh, so um, so and the thing is, as you see, as you like, not I was gonna say, not that coke um is a is a um. It's okay drug. Like, oh, Coke's fine. The Coke oh, doesn't Coke mess will, anybody up. No. Will fuck you off. <laughs> no. But but then you see these people are kind of maintaining their life for the most part mm-hmm. with Coke. And you just see like when the other drugs come in, it's like, like, oh, you thought it was Coke? No, <laughs> baby. No, I ain't Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you, you definitely see like very distinctive turning point with the meth, and they're like no, you don't want to do a line of that. Just do a bump. And he's just like, shut up. And then, like, <laughs> the next day he can't get it up. And he's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I just did my own career. Yeah, and you and, and see, like, the, the the agitation, the desperation that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and there's a, um, I don't think it's a major plot point. So I'll say this. Um, Dirk gets a, a pretty badass vet. And then mm-hmm. later on, they're talking about... Uh, doing something, selling some stuff to get some money. And uh, he's like, it's enough to get the vet fixed. Yep. And you think, okay, you know, bad big deal. They show the vet and you can see that the, um, cause I think the vet hood opens from the windshield up, right? That I particular think one. So. I think so. So that you can see, right. so you can see that from, uh, where the, where the windshield is connected, uh, to the, uh, to the door that it's lifted up a little bit. It's not laying flush. Right. So you say, okay, you know, the, something's wrong with the vet, and it's probably something with the with the hood or the engine or whatever. 
and then you see the vet later and it's <laughs> fucked up yeah, you know yeah. and but you don't you don't see any of that stuff before and you don't really realize and then we say like oh <laughs> yeah like like yeah like their life has really changed there's a dramatic change in in that um yep, yep. and uh I, I think it's i will say that it, it does have a a kind of happy ending of sorts you know yeah um so the movie kind of takes you on this roller coaster and then like kind of like brings you back, you know, like a roller coaster. It takes you up, it takes you down. And then if it's a really good roller coaster, you think somewhere along the way, oh shit, we're going to die. Right, right. And then all of a sudden the air brakes kick and you just, yeah, yeah. you know, and you're like, okay. It, it's a happier ending. It's one of those things where it's like they're not in a perfect situation. Right. Because it still has lost its heart and soul. Like he's still just kind of phoning it in. Like the, the director is still just kind of phoning it in because it's like, well, these are still just VHS. But it is like they're starting to rebuild. They're hmm. starting to come back together and realize that they can get back to where they were. So, and, and, and the main thing of it, I think, is that the whole thing about it before, like if you look at it, it's like the heart of it is we're a family, an unconventional mm-hmm. family. Right, we're a right. family. And it's when that family breaks up that things fall apart. And then they all come back together. And like you say, it's like, it's, we're not back where we used to be, mm-hmm. but we're back together again. And that's enough to kind of hopefully carry us, you know, where we need to go. Right, right. Um, it, uh, so I mentioned, I mentioned the thing with, with Buck. Uh, and I was going to mention somebody else, you know, you know, Becky is in it. She does, you don't really get a lot of, of time with Becky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to mention Little Bill because Little Bill is his own little separate story. Um, but there was one other person I wanted to mention, and um, and I just want to I want to get your thoughts um, and kind of let you let you kind of like expound on them a bit. And that's my man Scotty J. Scotty J. Remind me of his character. Scotty J. I, I'm I'm bad with names, dude. Celebrity facial blindness. <laughs> well, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Scotty oh, J. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see Comey's face right now. <laughs> He's had his pinched lip look and his head's like nodding and now like, uh-huh, uh-huh, fuck you, Turk. <laughs> There's not much for me to expound on with that. <laughs> now, when when you first saw Scotty J, you said that he reminded you of who? The awkwardness? Oh, yeah. I said he reminded me of Chris from Family Guy. Yeah, he, he, and and he he does. He does. The, he even has like the quaver in his voice. The 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 long kind of scraggly hair, you know, being overweight. The body type, the tight shirts. Yeah, and the uh and hey, the, yeah, you look really good, man. And, and the, 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 the the just kind of weird the awkwardness for no reason. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Like, it's not even a nervous awkwardness, it's just more of just like a like a it's I think for Scotty, so, you know, they don't explicitly state, you know, at the beginning, but it's kind of like put out there like, Scotty, probably gay, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And then you kind of get some hints that Scotty's gay. Um, And I think that's where that weird awkwardness comes in is where he's not really sure of it himself or maybe just hasn't really accepted it himself and so when he sees someone like Dirk who you know when you when he first sees Dirk when he shows up at the pool party 
and and the 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 camera the vision just zooms in just blocks everybody else and just zooms in on her you know like you're (laughs) like you're looking through like a like a uh like a telescope or something like that. Right. It just like zooms in right on him. You know, it's like he he just it was like a like a target. <laughs> He's and... holding the boom mic going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he sees Turk's like talent, like it was just like it, it was like this palatable like like response to it. Uh and I will say, uh, you know, I love everyone's reactions to seeing the talent. The absolute best was the admiral, the other uh, colonel, the colonel, yeah, colonel. Especially when he gets that that weird grin on his face, yeah, and he's like, "Thank you, Dirk." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when they show, um, when they show, uh, 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 what's well, it, Ricky J and um, and William H Macy when they, and because they haven't seen it yet, right, when they right. for the first day of filming, and. Uh, and then they just kind of like look. I like how Ricky J moves his eye for away from the eyepiece of the camera, as if like, like he's not sure what he's seeing. And he goes back, and they're both just like, "Wow, uh, yeah, it's bad." And then that scene, <laughs> the the line, which yeah. which line? They're filming the scene, and and Amber says, "You know, let me take a look at this." Oh thing. yeah, and she goes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a huge. That's a what it was. That's a gigantic cock. <laughs> it's the way she. It's so flat. It's just like this is a gigantic cock. <laughs> like, <laughs> so good. It's, oh, it's fantastic. It's like yeah, they they do like the whole intentionally bad acting in that, which is exactly what those older pornos were like. Oh, the um, Thomas Jane's character. If if you didn't know it was Thomas Jane, the haircut, the big thick horrible like 70s mustache he mm-hmm. is he is almost unrecognizable yeah uh, yeah and that um and uh and then of course the the later scene with alfred molina which is just it's probably one of my favorite scenes um it, it to me it just built so much tension it does and it, it, it grabs you like by the chest and, and it's like it's almost it's one of things where you've seen bennett watch a movie that it you get so you get sucked into it and like you're afraid to breathe because you don't want, like, mm-hmm. you don't want them to hear you breathing, right? right, right. It's like I don't, want, I don't want to move or anything else because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want them to like find out where the person is or yeah, you know. Yeah, you just want the shit to blow up just so that you can stop the tension. Yes, it reminded me of that tense scene in Baby Driver with the diner. Oh yeah, where just like, and there's no payoff on that. There, nothing ever pops off there. The scene just ends, and it's like. Oh God! <laughs> there was no release to the tension. He said, "I still got you on the lines." Like it, it's just like it's like being calling a fish hook. Like you mm-hmm. know, you think you're getting away, and then yep, yep. it's like, "Oh no, wait, shit! I'm still caught." Uh, just, just yeah, yeah. That that's that. The first thing that made that scene made me think of was the baby driver thing, where it's just like, who's gonna say something? Like what? What's Bat's gonna say to Debbie or whatever? And it was that. It was that kind of thing. It also reminded me of like the final scene of oh, True you're ta- Romance. You're talking about that scene. Yeah, I thought you, I thought you were talking about the later scene with with uh, Buddy. Oh no, no, because that does have payoff. Well, well, yeah, but well, it they just kind of get away. You know, they, they do. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's like a release there. That yeah. scene with with Bats where oh, he's yeah. just like. Yeah, you know, uh, our friend here was saying he didn't really like this place. Said the food wasn't that good. What's the deal with that? And just like all that. This, this seemed that bad to me. <laughs> just oh man, that scene is just so so damn tense. It is. I will say that when you you do 
uh, in my in my opinion, I would say you do get a payoff to that scene later on, but it's 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 not a true payoff because like you you've had to work through the tension yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. This, so this isn't a release. It's more of like oh um here's the valve. Like, right, oh yeah, right. afterwards, <laughs> which is like you know it only you know it only takes like four words to you know to spell your name. You know, Leon. I mean, Leon. that's that to me would be would be the release. But by that point, man, it's like, well, shit, I didn't need you now. <laughs> that's like when you're choking and you give yourself like a self high like gives a chair, and then someone comes running over there, but like, I got you, but like, just patting you on the back. <laughs> like, too late, Luther. Too late. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's like say. Boogie Nights, like I said, it's one of my favorite movies. It's a long movie, but it does kind of grab you and hold you in. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I know people are going to look and be like, I, you, I think you guys are trying to find something that's not there. Talking about this whole family you know, like angle and stuff like that. And I can see where some people may get caught up in the peripheral and kind of lose the focus of that main part there. But I would say that another part, another thing that kind of draws it in to say these people are connected, even when they're not together, they're connected. Mm-hmm. And what what and what would that connection be? It can only be, you know, like I said, that family, it, mm-hmm. even though it's not your traditional sense of family. And that's well, the, that's what uh, that whole scene is about, where all all those things are happening to everybody simultaneously. And that's what I was getting to. Yeah, is, yeah. is that part right okay, there? Well, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> it was, is that is that those things are all happening to them? Like I said, simultaneously. One of the great things I like about that is, you know, you've got, um, actually, there's another movie that's kind of like that where as like, um, as one like situation is ending and we're kind of like panning away from it, we, we pan to the other situation, which is like not too far away or, mm-hmm. or maybe like, you know, uh, the close enough. The um, first Ninja Turtles movie did that where April's touring them around the junk shop while Rafa's getting the shit kicked out of him by the foot. Right, and it, well, I'll say I'll say more of like where like um, like the um, I'm trying to think of a, a good because I didn't want to talk about this one where, but where like the the one character is moving away mm-hmm. and they end up moving past where the next character is. Yeah, well, all three of them pass at the same time. Right. Yeah, in that same spot. But I was gonna say the thing I like about that is that there is no connection to them, so you don't see like. Like the like the one character, you know, in distress, like in the frame when the others are like kind of like moving by or whatever, almost mm-hmm. is like, oh, oh like, you're so close to, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like you almost saw right. what was happening. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, no, it's like each one of them is going through their own individual like pain and hell. And it's like, and you were, you were close, you know, but it's, I think part of it also is that, is that, is is them being they're being close you know is that 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 whole shared connection thing but it's um i know i say i i just really like the movie it's it's yeah and it's um it's got some it's got some serious emotional scenes to it Um, oh yeah yeah and the uh you know you talk about the because i've mentioned to you like the whole stigma around porn I, i i really don't like um and I, I mean, I could talk about that, for, you know, forever, um, and go into all these things. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about people that are doing a job just like anybody else does a job, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you may not like the job that they do and that's fine, you know, but I don't, 
as I say, there, there, there are jobs out there that people do that you don't like, um, but you don't treat them like shit because they do it. Unless they're politicians. So, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, but when it comes to the porn industry, it's like, it's so much different. It's like, you know, these people deserve our, our ridicule and, and, you know, and scorn and mm-hmm. don't need to be treated like real people. Right, and if anything right. bad happens to him, it's like, well, that's because you you do this. I'm like, really? Um, but okay. But what amazes me is seeing seeing that type of stigma and seeing some of the shit people say online. And it's like, motherfucker, you know you watch porn, right? <laughs> it's like if you can jerk off to it, then you can respect it as a real job. So just you know, piss off with that. Yeah, and um, you know, and for all for all the porn is and isn't, you know, how often do you hear about porn scandals? Mm-hmm. And how often do you hear about other Hollywood scandals? Right, right. right. I mean, well, there's there's not a whole lot to scandals. Like you already know they're all fucking. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but I was the the reason I was even bringing that up is that there's the there's the scene you know where Buck goes to the bank mm-hmm. and and the whole thing is just like I don't like you for who you are. Right, it, it's, right. It's it's almost like a new type of racism, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I don't like you for who you are. It has nothing to do with this, and he keeps trying to say this has nothing to do with that. Right, and, and the guy keeps bringing it back. It's like we don't support this. This is not connected to that at all. Like we don't we don't support this. You know, <clears throat> it would be almost be in the sense where like he goes to take his, his wife to the hospital. It's like my wife's having a baby, and it's like oh, I'm sorry. Like we don't we don't have anything to do with the porn shit. My wife's not in it. She's just my wife. Right, you know, it's right. like. Yeah, but um, but no, we don't deliver like porn babies. Like, what? Like, no, this this has nothing to do with that. Like, but but it's it's basically I don't like you. So right, right, you know. yeah. But and I so I I but that's that's like a realistic aspect of you know their life. Oh, absolutely. Back then or now. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, people say some like horrific shit about porn stars online. It's, it's it's kind of sad. Um, I remember, you know, because I've watched a lot of, I don't say a lot, but I've watched a, a, a few documentaries. And I remember um, this one, I couldn't tell you which one it was. And I think the, I think it was Brianna Banks was in it. Uh, and she was talking about like what brought her to the porn industry and how, you know, she, I don't remember what it was that her and her sister were on their own. Um, I don't remember if they left because their, you know, their parents or parents were, you know, not good people or, you know, if they just, uh, you know, their, you know, their parents were dead or they, you know, whatever. But her, her, her sister was younger. I think she was like, like 19, 20 and her sister was like maybe 15, you know, 16, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and she's trying to support them and she didn't have, you know, didn't have money and she doesn't really have, um, experience as far as like job experience because she's still fairly young. And I think she was like, she was like, got a job as like a stripper or something mm-hmm. and then she did like some modeling and and then that you know she did some porn and she's like you know i was in the industry for a while and I, I and it was good for what it was but she's like the one thing that i'll credit it for is that it gave me the means to be able to take care of myself and support my sister make sure my sister go through the school and put a, a house over our heads yeah. at the time when i couldn't find anything else to to do that you know and you know and it's just like any other job. It's got its good, then it's bad, and you work through it, you know, the best mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and then it afforded me the opportunity to be able to, you know, save up enough money to when I was ready to move on to a new career, right, I could, right. you know. So, you know, I I find that kind of stuff fascinating. That's not everybody's experience, but then you know, I I left a job for four or five years ago that I just 
wasn't right for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's still people that I know that work there. And whether it's still right for them or not, you know, they do. I liked it for a time. And then time came, didn't really care for it anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't think it cared for me either. It's just like, well, shit, ain't we both content? Right, um, right. But, uh, but I mean, I said, there's people there that, that, that work there and they still love it. And there's people that work there and like, I don't really like it, but this is where I am. So, so you, so you can, you can, you can like, you know, put that on anything. Um, but so like I said, I, when you, when people have like this kind of like preconceived notion about it, I'm like, at the end of the day, there's still people and they're living their lives, you know, however they can. And you don't have to agree with it, you know? Yeah. I saw a conversation about it online where somebody was like, oh, but these people are selling their bodies. And it's like, so are you to your company. Like, you know, you're, you still have to be present at your company 40 hours a week, busting right. your ass doing something that you don't necessarily want to do mm-hmm. for money. So, uh, how are you not selling your body? And, you know, it's, uh, and I, I get, it's like, well, they're engaging in these things. And I'm like, yeah, but, and, and I can, you can say things like, uh, you know, well, you know, it's not the, it's not what you think it is where, okay, we're going to, you guys are going to have sex and we're going to film you, you know, and then it's done. It's like, no, it's like, we, I mean, it's just like, they even talk about it in Boogie Nights, like, hey, you know, well, you know, Ricky J keeps going on about it. It's like, well, I, we got to get the lighting, got to get this, we got to do that. We, mm-hmm. you've, you've got to block the shot. You got to make sure the lighting's correct. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then you've got to do camera angles. So, right, you know, right. it's just like any other, like, like a movie in a sense where, you know, we shoot this this from a while for a while, and then we stop, and we're going to switch angles. We got right, we got to right. change the uh, uh, we got to uh, you know change the lighting and stuff to fit that, and then we you know do all that stuff. So it's not like it's just people just continually having sex for like you know an hour and then you're done. No, right, it's, right. It's a lot of like start and stop. And I mean, I just I just imagine if you like for a guy, if you were like having sex with a with a girl, and then like in the middle of it, or like 15 minutes in. She like stopped to take a phone call, right? <laughs> and, and and she takes and she takes like a like a, like a ten minute phone call, and that, and the whole time she's sitting there taking a the phone call, you're just sitting around, just trying to stay hard, <laughs> you know. I'm like, you know, yep. and and then and then when the phone calls over, she's like, oh, let's get back into it, you know. Now where where were we? Like, I mean, like, and then you do that for next, and then uh, and then you're like, okay, um, you know. Uh, okay, now I got to stop and everything. Let me go walk the dog real quick, and then I'll be right back. Right, I mean, right. <laughs> and, and like, okay, well, you know. And again, they, the whole time you're like, oh, gotta stay hard, gotta stay hard, gotta mm-hmm. stay hard, you know. Or if you if you don't, but like, it's like when she's ready to go again, it's like, okay, gotta get hard, gotta get hard, gotta get hard. <laughs> and then, believe it or not, it it's it's true. Um, you know, they're uh, they're for porn stars. They're they're um, what they call like a no list. Where, mm-hmm. you know, they'll tell their agent and yes, they, people have agents. They'll tell their agent, like, this person is on my no list, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I will not, you know, do any scenes with them, you know, which can make it difficult, you know, if like, you know, if there's a scene that coming up, it's like, oh, well, this is the person that we, that we have for this scene. So we need to find the, the partner for them. And if they're on your no list, I guess I won't be you. Right, so, right. you know, uh, but, um, you know, they said they have their no list, but sometimes the person may not be on your no list, you know, which is generally it's, uh, for the women, it's, it's someone that they've been a scene with that didn't, um, didn't obey their boundaries. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't like, don't do this to me. Don't do that to me. You know, like, you know, don't smack my ass. Don't pull my hair. You know, don't, you know, don't take a bite my feet, whatever it is. Right. And right. then, you know, that person may end up doing that and they're like, you know, Hey, 
you know, they told you not, and they could consider, you know, are persistent. And so you're like, okay, hey, now I'm not working with that. Right, right. You know, but your person may not be on your no list, but you just may not like them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't like you. Like, you, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 like, you're respectful, but I just don't like you. You may not like them as a person. You, you just know? may not have that synergy or whatever. Right. And, but then you still got to be able to like, okay, you know, I've either got to get aroused for you or I've got to get hard for you because, you know, <laughs> we got to do a scene together. And, you know, no matter what everybody else thinks, we are actors, right? Right. And, and I mean, and because we're, well, we're talking about Boogie Nights, we're talking specifically about porn, but, um, what's, what's that movie? The Notebook. Like Rachel McAdams and, um, watch the Notebook. No, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's got, um, oh, what's that guy's name? Um, uh, Crap. Um, is it uh, shit, Ryan? Shit, Ryan? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Gosling, Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, Ryan Gosling's in the Notebook. Yeah, hmm. uh, yeah, he's uh, he's the um, blonde Ryan Reynolds. Well, he's the well, no. See, uh, yeah, Ryan Gosling, the guy that played um, Hercules in Adventure of the Young Hercules. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you people not know about that? <laughs> Did, 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 did so many people out there not know that there was a TV series called The Adventures of Young Hercules <laughs> and that Ryan Gosling played uh, Young Hercules? No? Oh, well, well, now you do. Yeah. <laughs> now you know, knowing is <laughs> half the battle. A call yeah, I- me in Turk! <laughs> yeah, I, I think one reason that we have an easier time kind of understanding that this is a real... A real job and a real art form is because we've actually like made videos and stuff and made films and things like that yeah. sorry just showing uh, just showing a comey a picture from young hercules which uh there were 50 episodes from 1980 uh, from 1998 to 1999 uh, 30 minute series it's a long fucking time to be making a show and i i don't know for a fact but i think this was tied to the um to the like Hercules Kevin Sorbo show, <laughs> wow. I, I don't know for a fact. I think it was. Who? Wow. Yeah. I'm well. sorry. Go on, and I'll, and I'll finish up with what I was saying about uh, about Ryan Gosling. Well, that was that was about it. Just oh. like like I, I think that it's you know I think when you know exactly how fucking stressful it can be to try to shoot something, mm-hmm. and you know even even with us, you know, just making like a ten or twenty minute video, it's stressful as hell, and it's yeah. it's a very very labor intensive, and it is a labor of love, and so like you know cu- couple that with yes, you do have to actually be like actively exhibiting a chemistry with somebody, and you do have to stay hard that entire time. It's like yeah, no, it's it would suck. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I mean so. I notice that when you if, you, if you tell somebody, you're going to say, well, that sounds easy, but it's not easy. And it seems like it'd be really easy. But, um, but picture this, uh, you're filming a scene and the scene calls for you to wake up. Mm-hmm. Which is what my scene called for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they think it's very easy and I wake up, but when you wake up in the morning, tell me, I feel like you- P. Diddy. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, I'm like, I'm gonna. I was like, you know what? I'm glad I don't know any of the lines to that song because I don't want to. I don't want to feed into that. Um, Grab your glasses and hit the door. You're gonna hit the city. Uh, like when you wake up in the morning, I mean, how often do you do you really just kind of like take stock of like, okay, this is what it feels like to wake up. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you like do your eyes flutter and you wake up, or do you just kind of like you just pop open, you sit up in bed, or you like? I mean, so someone says, okay, now. Camera's on you. You're gonna wake up, and then um, 
or, or even someone's going to shake you and wake you up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, how do you do that? Do you like push them around, like, oh, go away? Or do you like say, what? Or are you like, it's like, you know, you know, I didn't come on you, Peter, I swear. I'm like, I mean, like, what is... <laughs> <laughs> That's from James Outbox straight back. Um, but I'm just saying like, how do you, how do you wake up? I mean, yeah. it may seem like it's really simple, but have you ever just paid attention to yourself waking up? Like, no, you yeah. haven't. So then when you, someone tells you to up, do that, but... like, how do you do it? And I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, this is really. I'm gonna wake up. I'm like, shit. How, how, how am I gonna like, like, when am I, when am I gonna do to wake up? You know. The thing is, when I wake up, I'm too tired to actually observe what it is I'm doing. So, <laughs> right. Um. So can you really then go back and that? Be like, okay, so this is what how it was when I like. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um. But also, I was gonna say, um, Ryan Gosling and uh, Rachel McAdams did not like each other during the making of the Notebook, <laughs> and apparently from. Accounts that I've that I've read that it was so bad that you know that they the director had to stop and had to like call a counselor and had to have counseling sessions with them <laughs> to get them to get over this. After that, they actually dated for a while, but prior wow. to that, they didn't like each other. So you got it. So you had two people that don't like each other in a romantic movie, <laughs> but they've got to look longly into each other's eyes and say, you know, these things about how much they care for one another, right? And then kiss them. And they're like, you know, you know I'd rather drive a nail through my dick than to do this, you know? So, so if they can do it and be acting, then these people, you know, are actors too, whether yeah. they want to accept it or not. And then don't be like, well, they're not having sex on screen. Well, okay. Well, you know, Mickey Rourke and Carrie Otis had sex on screen when, you know, they were making, uh, what's it? It wasn't nine and a half weeks. It was, uh, it was that other one. I mean, oh, there are, there I, are, I know num- the one you're talking about. But. There are numerous reports of, uh, of, of actors having sex on camera, you know, for, for, uh, like studio oh, theatrical movies. Yeah, for authenticity's sake. Mm-hmm. Didn't Holly Berry do that too? Mm, uh, I think there are rumors of her and Billy Bob Thornton, but um, uh, God, but I didn't not that Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> oh yeah, for Mo- for Monsters Ball. Wow, make me feel good, <laughs> make me feel good. Uh, yeah, for for Monsters Ball, um, that that's who she that's who she got it on with with. Well, wow. okay. I mean, you do you, I guess. <laughs> More but, power to you. Uh, well, hey, she won an Academy Award. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Angelina Jolie was married to him, and she won an Academy Award too. So people are like, "Wow, these girls, women, actually really make us think that they like Billy Bob Thornton." That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, they I deserve guess, the Academy Award. I guess Billy Bob Thornton's like a good luck charm, you know. That's why he and I started dating. <laughs> well, at first we were just fucking. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to turn it into something more. He's hesitant, but you know, I'll wear him down. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, anyway, so that, anyway, uh, that's all I'm done with that part. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I know a lot of people probably stay away from, from Boogie Nights when they see what the, the subject matter is, but you know, it's not like they're like giving you like a history of it. They're taking, let's take you through a tour of the other porn right, industry. Right. And really it's not even glorifying it. Yeah. It's just, it's just using it as a backdrop. We've been going for an hour and six minutes. Really? Yeah. So yeah, I'll just, I'll bring it back around to, you know. If you can jack off to it, then you're not too good for it, you know? It's, it's pretty much as simple as that. You're not better than these people. And, you know, if, if you are one of those people who just doesn't watch porn, doesn't masturbate, whatever, if, if you're just living that kind of puritanical lifestyle, maybe if you actually came once in a while, you wouldn't be have such a stick up your ass. I, I, I'm sorry. If you're one of those people, how the hell did you find this podcast? And what, <laughs> why the hell are you listening? <laughs> like, like, 
Get the fuck out of here, narc. <laughs> we don't care much for you. We don't take kindly to your kind around here. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I was gonna say, if nothing else, if nothing else, you have to you have to watch the movie for two scenes. One is when they're showing the um, when they're showing some of the scenes from the uh, the uh, what's his name uh, Brock Landers Brock Landers yeah. the, Brock Landers uh, was it Angels in My City yeah. uh, movie where you know he and uh, his. Oh, what was that line? It's like when he's gonna kill me. And he's like, basically, Psh, you're not even worth it. It's yeah. <laughs> good. They're 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 like bad porn acting in the movie is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. That and um, when they're um the uh the music studio recording session. Yes, that's what I was gonna bring up. If you didn't, <laughs> he he does a cover of "You've Got the Touch" that is right on the level of Chris Chan's cover. I, I have to think his is just a little bit better than Chris Chan. A little bit. Yeah. He can carry. You know, <laughs> I mean, like Chris Chan goes flat right when he goes, "You got the power." <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's really not listenable, but oh my goodness, yeah, yeah it, it's a it's still a doozy of a cover <laughs> it is it is the absolute best um <laughs> um I, I was gonna say one thing and um i'm trying to think of I, I think boogie nights came before true romance um uh but reminiscent not 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 a not a copy or even a an homage but reminiscent the the scene with alfred molina and all that stuff mm-hmm it's reminiscent to me in a sense of the um the scene um in True Romance um with Drexel. So Drexel. you got you got the crazy white guy in the bathrobe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got the <laughs> drugs, you got the large heavyset guy mm-hmm. who's his like bodyguard with the gun, mm-hmm. and you got a person that doesn't belong there who is not necessarily up to no good, but is there to like like fuck things up for you yep yep it, it did remind me of that scene yeah um yeah everybody needs to watch true romance too oh god yes true romance is that was a spectacular film but yeah no i mean i i say you know give boogie nights a shot definitely check out those two scenes yeah um, if nothing else and yeah you know if if you like if you like those then give the rest of it a shot because you know it, it's it's a pretty long involved watch but it is really good Oh yeah, and, and uh, it's so dramatic and so suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think if you if you if you watch the first thirty minutes of the movie, um, after that you really can't turn away. Right, right. But yeah, yeah. I think we better uh, land this plane, wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, thanks for giving us a listen, everybody. And after watching this, uh, I think I'm going to change my views. I don't. I, I have no interest in doing coke anymore. <laughs> just I, I, I don't that, that's good Turk personal growth I'm proud of you yes. <laughs> I'm on the meth <laughs> on the meth <laughs> Jesse <laughs> Jesse don't talk to the UN Jesse <laughs> so yep. yep thank you all everyone and uh, let's just keep rocking and rolling <laughs> <laughs> I'm a star I'm a star I'm a big shining star bye everybody <laughs> All right there, folks, that was 
our moms think we're funny, let's, uh, let's give them a hand.